the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to the conversation. Ten minutes away from the hour of 6 p.m. here on this edition of Lifeline. And a very special guest with me in the studio, Bishop Bob Jackson from Axville Gospel in Oakland. And we've just spent some time talking about where the world is today. Biblical prophecy that gives us a glimpse into the direction that this is all headed in. And the challenge that is laid before the church. And uh, believe me, the challenges are pretty significant because we have spent a lot of time, church, in looking for teachers that will help to tickle our itching ears, say things, platitudes that make us feel better about ourselves. Christ wants you to be joyful in him. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. But the scripture also says, blessed is he whose heart is focused on him. So we, we've confused a lot of things here. And then as we have consumed more of the lie that the enemy serves up, oh, it's, it's, it's got gravy or lots of sugary on it. I had a, a donut today. My colleague is celebrating a birthday and they sent over donuts. They're just wrapped in all this sugar. And I'm sure my sugar levels just went through the roof. And, oh, it tastes so good good though and then you think about well if you do it enough you're going to want more and the more you consume the more damage it does to your body and eventually you're a diabetic maybe because of it you start to have problems with your vision and you're starting to feel tingling in your feet it's all the end result the good stuff always tastes good in the beginning but the end can lead to loss of life the end can lead to eternal damnation. And Bishop Bob, you were sharing here off the air passage of scripture from the book of John that really goes to the heart of the problem that mankind seems to have today with the truth and how easy it seems that it is becoming to exchange the truth for a lie. Yeah, and the word of God is very clear about that. And so I was, I was looking at John 8. Uh, St. John chapter 8 and verse 43. The Lord Jesus, was he was talking to some religious leaders. And what happened was they had this dialogue going on back and forth. And he got to the 43rd verse. And I, I won't go into the whole thing, but the 43rd verse and 44th verse. I want you to look at this because many times we talk about the enemy. And the next thing you know, like you said earlier, the enemies, the Republicans, the Democrats, they're the, they're the, they're the Baptists, they're the Methodists, the Episcopalians. I mean, the different denominations fighting each other. Do you know there's over 300 denominations in Christ and none of them can get along? But anyway, so it's 8th eight chapter of John, 43rd verse. It says, why do you not understand my speech? Red lettered in the Bible. So it means the Lord Jesus is speaking. Why do you not understand my speech? He said, even because you cannot hear my word. Then in 44, he explains why he said that. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And Greg, I was telling you at the break, I came to the conclusion that, Lord, I never want to tell a lie again. So I warned people. I said, listen, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask me because <laughs> I'm obligated to tell you the truth because I am not going to lie for anybody. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because I come to the conclusion when I read this scripture, every time a person tells a lie, Christian or non-Christian, he's imitating his father, the devil. Because if the devil is the father of lies, every time you lie... You're owning the fact that you're a child of the devil. But every time you tell the truth, and that's what this world is missing as well, the truth. Jesus said in the 8th John, uh, 8th chapter John again, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, a lot of preachers say the truth shall set you free. No, it doesn't set you free. It will make you free when you get into the truth. But people don't want to hear the truth because it will convict you. The truth will convict you. People don't want to know the truth. Lie to them. They love a lie. But tell them the truth. They get upset with you. They get, they get, they really, they don't want to hear you because they don't want to hear the condemnation, the conviction that comes upon them when you tell the truth. But as Christians, we're obligated to tell the truth, not only to one another, but also even admitting the truth to ourselves. I recently had a leading anthropologist on the program, and we were talking about the issue of creationism versus evolution. <clears throat> and as he shared his story, um, essentially coming to the reality of intelligent design and, and the, the scriptural context for how man came to be, the Genesis account, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of of the persuasion that one of the big motivators and the reason why something like Evolution has gained so much traction in this country in the last century since the Scopes Monkey Trial of the 1920s. Is it's not necessarily because believing in evolution somehow feels righter than creation story, but that if we can eliminate God from the equation, mm. if how we came to be has nothing to do with a intelligent design, superior power, God of the universe, whatever you wish to, to label, nothing to do with that, but rather the result of a big bang. There's no examples of, of order coming out of chaos anywhere in modern history, but we'll leave that aside for the moment. If we can eliminate God out of the equation and man became a monkey or a fish that grew feet that became a monkey that became who we're today, and some people that believe that way, I, I'm probably inclined to say, if you want to believe you come from a monkey, I'll let you believe it. <laughs> But the truth of the matter is that sometimes we're afraid of the truth because once we're confronted with the truth, it becomes incumbent upon us to do something uh -oh. about it. Uh -oh. So if the truth that God exists mm. is presented to me, now eventually questions about, well, if God and that God, then who God and how God and what is my relationship to him? What is his relationship to me? Do I have any accountability to my creator? All of a sudden now we're confronted by some serious questions that we have to deal with. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. But if we could just take God out of the equation, well, God doesn't exist. Right. Not a problem. I, then I, I, I not only solve a problem how man came to be, but I also take out of the equation any of this messy business of my relationship with him, whether or not I'm a sinner and he's holy and if I've offended him. We just completely take that out of the equation. And now it's very comfortable for me to embrace this lie and exchange the truth for a lie Whoa. because it allows me to stay in my sinful condition. My God. I don't have to repent. I don't have to be called to answer for having offended a holy and righteous God. I can just continue to wallow in sin. Mm. But the scripture also is quick to remind us that the eventual result of being outside of the bonds of Christ is eternal damnation. The wages of wages sin. Of sin. Is payment death. for your sin. Right. And James says something arresting in the question. He says, you believe it? You believe that there's one God? He said, the devils believe and tremble. So mm. you are less than a devil if you don't believe in God. He says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You're being a complete fool if you think that this big bang theory or a, a whale got tired of swimming and decided to come up on the shore and start walking around as a man and talking. I mean, can you imagine what the monkeys must be saying when they hear that, that men came from monkeys and whatnot? And the question is, why do we still have monkeys today then if men came from monkeys? And where are the modern day examples of evolution? Well, the fact of the matter is there really are none. No, there are none. But you have touched on something that really ought to cause all of us to really pause and ponder. You know, every two weeks, most companies, they pay their employees every two weeks. Maybe you get a check. Maybe it goes into your bank account. But in the old days, you'd go up to the cashier's window there at the uh, payroll office, and they would pay you out in actual cash. Yeah. And they would say, here are your wages. Now, if you took it and said, well, I don't want it, the response will be, well, you have to take it because you, you earned, earned it. it. <laughs> you earned the it. The wages of sin yes. is death. That's the word. Wages are something that we have earned. Mm, my God. And the manner in which we live, disregard a holy and righteous God, ignore his rules, ignore his book, those wages, death, are sadly something that we ourselves, apart from the 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 dynamic um, uh, lineage sin, but it's something that we ourselves have earned. That's the truth. Except we allow Christ to come in, be that intervention, and say, "Let me stop. I'm going to short circuit that process. Right. I'm going to pay the penalty on your behalf. My God, even though you earned it, Thank it's you, your Jesus. wages." Mm. I'm going to pay that penalty Thank you, on your behalf Thank you, so that in my work on the cross, mm. my shed blood yes. will cover those sins before my Holy Father, and then your sins will be, what does the scripture say, as far as the east is from the west? My God, my God. God so much wants to be in relationship with this sinful, nasty, dirty creation that shows you that it, it, you look at this and say, well, Bishop Bob, I don't understand this. I don't know this side of the veil will ever understand how a holy and righteous God could look at somebody like Craig Roberts and say, but nevertheless, I forgive you. Mm. I love you. My Lord. Welcome home, my son. Wow. Isn't that called grace? Wow, it sure is. There's no favor merited here. There's no way. And Paul's dialogue, I mean, in Romans, when you study the book of Romans, you find out that the, the Jews were talking about 
they had the law. I mean, they, you know, they had Moses giving them the law, the Ten Commandments. Of course, they had 500 and some commandments to it. But anyway, they, they had the Ten Commandments, and they were God's chosen people and whatnot. And Paul tried to let them know, no, 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 but you have to understand, even you with the law— have sinned against the law Mm -hmm. because no man could keep the law until the Lord Jesus Christ came. He's the only man that kept the law without spot or blemish, okay? And so his death causes us by faith to receive salvation, which the law could never give. Even in my sin condition, I know to do good, and yet I do it not. Oh, you're right in that seventh chapter of Romans. He talks about that thing. And I believe that's what's wrong with a lot of people today in the world. They desire to do good. They want to do good. He said, the things that I should do, I don't do. The things that I hate, that's what I do. He said, now if I do the things I hate to do, it's no longer I that do them, but sin that dwelleth in me, warring against my mind, leading me into captivity of sin. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now, we've got two potential directions that we can surrender in. We can surrender to the sin and just say, I give up. I I, I can't do it on my own. I don't have the capacity within my flesh to be able to keep the law, so I'm not even going to try, and I'm going to go out and live like the devil. That's one surrender path that you can take. Mm-hmm. The other surrender path is to say, I can't do it on my own. Sounds a lot alike, doesn't it? Can't do it on my own. The capacity to live the law is not within me, and so therefore, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Mm, I, I can't do it, but you already have. The price that I should pay, you paid for me. And so if you just simply acknowledge, repent, and Scripture is very clear, repent, turn from your wicked ways. Yes, yes. Come and follow me. Be a disciple. Yes. Then will my Father hear from heaven. You shall be saved. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life and all the angels and saints, the scripture tells us. Every time a knee is bowed and surrendered to Jesus Christ, the angels and all the saints in heaven rejoice. My God, do you know that's the only thing that I can find in the word of God that causes all of heaven to rejoice? It's when one sinner, imagine that, <laughs> one sinner, just one sinner, receives the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over that one sinner that comes to Christ. How 40, important. Forty-something years ago, and we're going to get to this after hey, the break, forty-something years ago, they had an outright party up there <laughs> when a boy from the city of Oakland, California, <laughs> finally said, that's it. I surrender. (laughs) When we come back, I'm going to ask Bishop Bob Jackson to share briefly a bit of his story and the story of the amazing things that God is doing in and through the work, the ministry, his church, not Bob Jackson's church, Jesus' church, at Acts Full Gospel. We'll get to that. So you got to stay where if you stayed this long, you got to stay a little bit longer because the really good stuff is coming up next. Our conversation with Bishop Bob Jackson, senior founder, pastor of Acts Full Gospel Church, continues right after this. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor, founder of Axeville Gospel Church with us today in studio. And uh, Bishop Bob, we've got a lot more to talk about, but I want to spend a moment um, and kind of turn back the clock. I want to go back to the streets of Oakland in the 1980s and who Bob Jackson was at that time. Not Bishop Bob Jackson as he sits here in front of these microphones today, but who he was back then. I kind of have it on good authority that uh, you're not the kind of character I'd necessarily want to have to go have (laughs) dinner with. Today, I'd love to do it. But in those days, you were you were a bit of a shall we say a hoodlum. <laughs> my, my wife tells me all the time. She said, "If I had known you then, I never would have looked at well, you." Looked at you she twice said, because I couldn't stand people like you. I would, never would have married you. So, so yes, I was a wretch undone. Paul and I are going to have this contest. Going to have this dialogue when we get to heaven <laughs> because Paul tries to make you think that he's the chief sinner. I said, "No, no, no! You were a schoolboy compared to me and what I was. Dirty red. That's what they call me." You know, I had a guy the other day, he made a comment. He said, yeah, Dirty Red. He made a comment calling me Dirty Red. I said, you, I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud. You better be glad that Dirty Red is dead. Mm. Because if he wasn't dead, he would be at your throat right about now. I carried a gun. I rode a motorcycle. I was a motorcycle gangs. I drank alcohol. I homongered. I fornicated. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I did everything. I, I was a fence. I used to get hot stuff and sell it, you know, and make money. I did all kind of things. I, there are women who never had sex that are not now on the street as prostitutes. There are men who never had alcohol or drinks. They are now drug addicts and dope fiends and alcoholics. I I was one of Satan's top lieutenants, you know, when I look at my life. Just a wretch undone. I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in the street, okay? So the point I'm saying is everything I know today and everything I am today is what the Lord Jesus Christ has been able to do in my life. My sister got in a lot of trouble with me, my older sister. And she said, yeah, he's around there now talking about he's the bishop of that church. But I know when he used to do this. And she started telling people about all the things I used to do and the sinful things I would do. And I got upset about it. Craig, I began to get upset about it. I said, how dare you talk about my sin? I know stuff on her. I'm going to tell all kind of stuff on her. And then he came to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said... Is she lying on you, Bob? Is she lying on you? I said, no, Lord, she's not lying. But but just the same, she, she, it's not right to talk about my past. He says, yeah, but if she's telling the truth, then you need to be quiet because you did worse things than that, that I know of and you know of, that she doesn't even know anything about. And I was like, Lord Jesus, you're correct. Let me be quiet because she's not lying. Everything she was saying was the absolute truth. I was a rank Sinner. That's why I love sinners today. That's why I love people. Because people tell me, oh, I, don't, I know you grew up in the church, but I did not grow up in the church. I did not grow up in the church. And I want you to know, I was a sinner. But I had a friend, Jerry Thomas. He and I had gone to the military together. We were in third grade together in elementary school. We went in the military together in the Air Force. Let me tell you something. We were wild as the wind. I mean, we did all kind of drinking, partying, fighting, you just name it. They taught us how to kill, by the way, in the Air Force. So we were killers, fighters. But when I came out of the military, long story short, we joined the motorcycle gang. 
<laughs> Phantom Riders. And we, we rode 750 Chop Hondas through Oakland streets. We had a snub nose 38 under my coat. And we, you know, drink at a party. And probably very grateful that there's a statute of limitations. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. No, honestly, you tell them the truth. I did all kind of stuff. You know, I'm ashamed of those things now, but I did those things. Satan was using me for the furtherance of his domain, for his kingdom. Let me tell you something. And this guy, Jerry Thomas, he went somewhere. I hadn't seen him for about a year. He went somewhere and he got saved. So a revival or something, he told me later. But the point of it is, he came back to my father's house. I had lost my apartment. I'd lost my job. I'd lost everything. I was drinking like a fish, smoking cigarettes. I looked like the walking dead. And he came to my father's house, asked my dad. He said, have you seen Bob? He said, yeah, he's down in his room. My dad had let me move back home. And I moved back in, had my old room that I had. He allowed me to come back home, no job, no money. And he he, he said, come on out here, let me, let me see you, boy. And I came out, and I looked at him, and I said, oh, my God, you look so good. I didn't say, oh, my God, but I said something, probably cussed. But anyway, I said, he, I said, your cheek's big and rosy. You look so great, man. You, he looked but He was shining. He was glowing like a light bulb. I said, man, you look so great. I said, give me some of that, man. Give me. And he stuck his finger in my face. Craig, and he said, boy, all you need is Jesus. Now, Craig, I'm going to tell you something. A couple of things I didn't take. That is people talking to me pointedly and somebody sticking a finger in my face. I felt like knocking his well, yes, head right off his didn't lose that finger. He's lucky <laughs> he didn't lose his head because normally I would have responded so quickly. But something about what he said, God Almighty, it just pierced my, it pierced my heart. I couldn't say anything. And he left, left me right there. Well, it was a few months later. I got into it with the Oakland Police Department, and I want you to know, they pulled it. There was 357s in those days, Magnum. They had a, this guy pulled the Magnum, and I had my hand moving toward my gun because it was in the closet. And this woman that was with me, she hollered out, his gun is in the closet. And the cop was shaking with the gun pointed real close to me. I'm looking down the barrel. He said, bring your hand out slow. I'll blow your head off. And I brought it out slow. He says, Get your coat and get out of here. That, that was great. Get your coat and get out of here. So I got my coat and left. I was at the house. When I came back, the woman was gone. But let me tell you something. I got me another drink when I went out because I had been drinking. That's tough like I always did, right? But this time when I went to work in the morning, I came back home. I told my boss, my boss, I got some things to do. I'm going to have to leave early. My boss said, oh, that's okay. So I came back home. And I was sitting in the house, shades were pulled, 8.45 on a Monday morning, May 16th, 1977, 364 Clara Street, Brookfield Village, Oakland, California. I was sitting on my couch and he came to me. You've never seen your dad drunk. You've never seen your dad beating up on your mom. You've never seen your dad acting a fool. Why are you doing what you're doing? And at that moment, Craig, that friend, Jerry, Jerry Thomas, what he said, came Boy, all you need is Jesus. And I turned over on that couch on my knees and I said, Jesus, if you're real, just let me know. Mm. And nothing. I waited and I waited. And finally, I got an attitude, Craig. This is amazing. I said, Lord Jesus, if you're really real, just let me know. And all of a sudden, tears begin to come from my eyes and the tears didn't go down my cheek they actually squirted out of my eyes it was hot I just noticed it was like scalding water hot 
tears squirted out of my eyes and I begin to just repent. I begin to just cry out, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I can't tell you why I did anything. Lord, forgive me. And it was I know it was eight forty five when I came home, but I can't tell you anything that happened until about a quarter to one, four hours later, I came to myself. I was still on my knees, still in in front of that couch. The place was all wet with tears and slob and whatnot. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, I, I, I came to myself. And when they said, you look, I looked at my hands. And before I had DT shaking, mm-hmm. my hands were still. And I, and I noticed, and I was like, so when I got up off my knees, I felt like I could float. I felt like I could float. I was so, so I know something else about sin. Sin is heavy. Sin will weigh you down. I felt like I could float. I really could. And all of a sudden, I looked down and I saw a pack of cools in my top pocket. I went over to the garbage can, threw away the cools. I went over to the uh, under my couch and I had some seeds. I didn't have any weed. I had some seeds. I flushed it down the toilet. I had some wine and beer in my refrigerator. I began to pop the, the beer and the, and the wine, poured it all out in my sink. I had pornography, Greg. I had all kind of pornography, all kind of pornography. Different colored people, black people, white people, all kind of pornography, just stacks. I went, took it all out of my living room, threw it in my garbage can, and I began to look around because I didn't own a Bible. And it came to me. You're in the Air Force. Remember that little GI Gideon Bible that they give you in the Air Force? I went to my Air Thank God I had my, still had my uh, duffel bag. My, my duffel bag. And I looked in there, and there was that little Bible. I had kept it. And I began to read Romans 5. Six, seven, eight, and ninth chapter. Let me tell you. And the word began to just look like it came alive. It was coming up out the off the off the pages. I was like, oh my, oh my, oh my. It was like that, like a video. And I'm telling you something. God, from that day, I've never been the same. And the amazing thing is, and we're going to take a time out. The amazing thing is that almost in that very same moment. Had the devil himself shown up at the gates of heaven and said, I'm here for Robert Jackson. I'm here for Bob Jackson. And the answer that whoever's in charge of the gate, they say Peter's at the gate, would have said, I'm sorry. The Bob Jackson that you seek, he's dead. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. He is dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's another Bob Jackson. Mm, indeed. But he's not the same Bob Jackson. This Bob Jackson is a new creature in Christ Mm, Jesus because old things have passed away. Mm. Behold, everything has become new. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And now, 44 years later... I'm still lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm still seeing him manifest himself to people and they're becoming born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and transformed by the miracle working power of God. That's the most beautiful thing that ever can happen to you in this world. And if you happen to be listening saying, I happen to tune in and I recognize the voice and I used to be in that part of Oakland back in the day, I'm looking for Bob Jackson. I'm here tonight to tell you that Bob Jackson is dead but there's a whole new Bob Jackson renewed in Christ Jesus Mm. a disciple of the Lord Jesus Mm. adopted into the family heir of the father joint heir with the son that Bob Jackson 
sitting here right across the table from me. Mm. We'll take a brief time out. we got more, so stay right where you're at as Lifeline continues. When you think about Saul, who later became Paul, one of the, the not the, the, the only, but the principal author of the New Testament, um, it'd be almost hard to identify one from the other. Saul, a persecutor of Christians unto death, an agent of Rome, though he himself Jewish, and um, he had had a um, quite an angst against Christ and against the gospel message. And Jesus said, you know, you're the kind of fellow I think I can use, um, who has, again, up for debate, not necessarily the chiefest, one of the chiefest, we'll put it, <laughs> among sinners, because we know Bishop Bob Jackson is going to try to fight for that title. <laughs> and on that road to Damascus, that encounter with Jesus. You know, Paul was blinded for a time. He had been blinded in that moment, literally. But leading up to that point, he had been blinded spiritually. And when he had that encounter with Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit got in there and started wrestling with that man's heart and revealed to him that indeed this Christ that he, Saul, persecuted was indeed and without doubt the Son of Man, the Savior of mankind, he who became that substitution through his shed blood on the cross, that in him and through him, the chiefest, one of the chiefest of sinners, Saul, could be forgiven and could truly know God and walk in fellowship with the very Creator of the universe. And so that encounter so changed Saul that to help us easier to delineate, Saul became Paul. Paul became one of the principal leaders of the first century church, one of the principal authors of the New Testament. A man whom, had you known him pre-Damascus Road experience, would probably be like Old Red there on the streets of Oakland. Not somebody you wanted to be around. But when he had his encounter with very Christ himself on that road to Damascus, everything changed. And when they came asking, where is Saul, the persecutor of Christians? A similar answer came back. He's dead. He's now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Because old things have passed away, behold, everything has become new. Now, these are perhaps two extremes. Saul, the persecutor of Christians. Old Red, the rebel rouser on the streets of Oakland, running around with a gang, packing heat, driving motorcycles, getting in all kinds of trouble and run-ins with the cops, keeping OPD up all night. One became a leader of the New Testament. The other became a leader of the modern church, the congregation right here in Oakland, neither of whom would be recognizable from their former selves to who they are today. And the one thing they both hold in common is a life-changing encounter with very Jesus himself. And I would imagine, Bishop Bob, that there are some eavesdropping on your story. Going, wow. You know, I think I might want to put my hat in the ring, make a run at being possible winner, candidate at least for chiefest of sinners, 
Because if you think that Saul's done some bad things, you think that Bishop Bob Jackson, pre-Bishop Bob Jackson, Old Red did some bad things, let me tell you what I've done. And I've not been convinced that God can save me. I think some of the things that I've done and said are so vile, so beyond the pale, that how could God ever forgive me? And then we come back and we look at the mirror of the story of Paul and the story of Bishop Bob Jackson and realize that for just some of these, Christ died while we were yet sinners, that we might be saved. And Bishop Bob, somebody listening right now might say, I'm really wrestling with this. And I'm kind of ready to be down on my knees for that couch experience, too. I don't know if Jesus, I'm hearing this on the radio. I don't know. I kind of, you know, knocked around the church and I ran across this radio station by accident a few months ago and I've been kind of listening here and there. Maybe you just dialed in today and you don't know why. But here you are and you're asking yourself those very same questions. Can I really be forgiven? Can that old me actually be dead and buried? Can there be a whole new me, a whole new life? Can I exchange hopelessness for hope? Exchange fear for faith, exchange darkness for light, exchange eternal damnation and punishment for eternal salvation and a mansion in heaven? The answer is an absolute resounding yes, because in Christ Jesus there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave man nor free. (coughs) We're all equal in the sights of God. In his shed blood, Christ's shed blood, is freely poured out for any that would come, receive, and repent. Bishop Jackson, take a moment, if you would. Speak first to that person who maybe has never, ever had any kind of a relationship, didn't get any closer to God than in God we trust on the money in their pocket. That's the closest they've ever been. And then, if you would, speak to the person that maybe grew up in the church, Maybe he's even going to a church now, but feels as if their prayers go no higher than the ceiling. They have no notion of of whether or not God has even forgiven them or accepted them, and they're just unsure of who they are in their relationship with God, but they know they want a relationship with him. Speak to those two individuals and lead us in a word of prayer, would you please? Yes, I'd love to. So those of you that are listening right now, whether you're upstairs, downstairs, in your bedroom, in your cars, wherever you are right now listening to the broadcast, believe me, there's no accident or coincidence that you're listening tonight of all nights. Because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is just moving upon us in the studio, and he has been moving upon us to minister to you, to speak to you about the greatest thing that could ever happen to you in your life, and that is to receive Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. Oh, yes, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what sins you've committed. There's no sins, there's no sins that you've ever committed in your life that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away completely and remove every trace of the sin and the guilt and the shame that you have suffered with for so long. Only the blood of Jesus. Old saints used to say, what can wash away my sins? The answer was nothing but the blood of Jesus. So right now, 
wherever you are right now listening to the broadcast, and I want to talk to those who know you need to be saved, you can feel the Holy Spirit just wooing you, just drawing you right now at this very moment. Listen, God wants you to be saved. He's got a brand new life for you. And those of you that were in the church and for some reason you left the church, for some reason you backslid or you got back into some sins that you were into previous to salvation. Listen, God is not going to throw you away. He hasn't thrown you away. As a matter of fact, he's been waiting for you to come back to him because he loves you so much. And I want you to know you at this very moment have an opportunity right now to do your first works over again. What is, what is my first works, Brother Bob? It is to repent and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin. He said if you confess your sin, he said he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come on. Whether you are a brand new person, don't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ, or whether or not you have been in the church for years and all of a sudden you're not in the church anymore, you haven't been going to church. And those of you that's been out with COVID and haven't been to church in a long time, you've broken the habit of coming to church. And it's hard to get the habit back to now return to church. Listen, you too need to come forth right now, tonight. Come on. You're listening right now. All of you that are listening who I'm talking to, right now have a golden opportunity to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Are you ready? Can you feel God's anointing? Can you feel the Holy Spirit moving upon you right now? Right now? In the name of Jesus. If you could say Lord Jesus. Come on. If you can say Lord Jesus. Come on. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. I want you to repeat this little prayer after me. Say right now. Lord Jesus forgive me. For all of my sins, I believe that you died on the cross and you were buried. And on the third day, God the Father raised you from the dead. And right now, Lord Jesus, I open the door to my heart and I receive you into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on and celebrate. Come on and give God the praise. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, come on and just say, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you. Hallelujah. Just praise Him right there. Listen, and then I want to ask you the million dollar question. According to that prayer you just prayed, where is the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, bless the name of the Lord. If you can truly say, he's in my heart. Praise God. Then 1 John 4 and 4 says, AM 1100 KMBX. that's in you than he that's in the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. You have just received the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Savior of your soul right now. The Lord Jesus. AM 1100 well, KMBX. My God. Hallelujah. Ooh. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I feel the power of God just moving right through the airwaves, touching you and blessing you in Jesus' name. Great. There are two wonderful passages of Scripture, and they're both out of the same book of Romans, that I think you should begin to read, meditate on, 
and and begin to really hold close to your heart. The, the first trumpet is Romans in chapter 10, this verse 9, is says, legal edge. If thou shalt confess with as thy Christian, mouth the Lord Jesus, and, a citizen. and shalt believe in your heart Did you know God that in raised him from there is a the dead, bill pending that would explicitly you shall be saved. Adoption and foster. But it doesn't end there. In verse 13, for whosoever, that means Saul on the Damascus Road, it means Big Red and Streets of Oakland, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is God's promise to you. And I want to encourage you. This is the end of the old man, the person you used to be. Today is your death date and your date of being born a second time, born anew, born again, as Scripture calls it. This begins a process, begins a wonderful journey. It's going to have its rough moments. It's going to have moments of discouragement. You're going to have to struggle against the flesh as you put off the old man and begin that process of renewing your mind, renewing your heart day by day. And as you do so, as you pray, as you read Scripture, God will quicken the truth of his word to your heart. Scripture tells us, Thine word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That word will begin to matriculate in your heart and in your life. And day by day, you'll grow closer and closer to God And that old man, that old woman that you used to be, will be further and further and further in the past. And one day, you'll present yourself before the gates of heaven, and they'll say, we have no record of the old Bob Jackson, because everything that he did, God set that sin as far as the east is from the west. But... There's a mansion here. Jesus went and prepared that mansion, set aside on a special street with a special address. And the address says this is the new home of Bob Jackson or the new home of and put your name in there. Now, beginning this journey not only includes prayer, learning what it means to be a disciple so that eventually you can learn what it is to make other disciples and getting into God's Word. But it also means getting into a solid Bible-believing church. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Bishop Bob Jackson to tell us a bit about what God is doing in and through the ministry of Axeville Gospel Church. You may not be geographically nearby that you can attend. Wherever you might be listening, you can go to kfax.com. We have a complete list of churches. You can find one, the Bible-believing churches that's near you. But if you say, well, how do I know how to find one? And once I walk into one, how do I know that it's really a true bible preaching, Bible-teaching church. Bishop Bob Jackson is going to paint that picture for you as an example coming up in just a moment as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back into the closing stretch of this edition of Lifeline. It's been uh, such a joy, and I hope you've really been blessed in hearing Bishop Bob Jackson tonight uh, share from the Word, share from his heart. And um, for those of you that um, earlier prayed that prayer, And now you have the question, as I've said, get into the word, get into prayer, learn to be a disciple. 
Where do you go to find the church? How do you find fellowship? And how do you find true Bible-based fellowship? I'm going to ask Bishop Jackson to tell us a bit about Acts Full Gospel, but before I do, what's that profile? When we talk about how do we identify a solid Bible-believing church, what does that look like for somebody? Well, first of all, it looks like a church that uses the Bible. That's number one. I tell people that ask for gospel all the time. If you don't have a Bible when you come here, you're at the wrong church because we use the Bible. We don't just lift it up and talk about it, but we actually turn the pages and actually quote from it, read from it. And that's our whole thing, the word of God. And so it has to be a Bible, a church that's teaching the Bible, preaching the Bible and uses the scriptures for you to see what God is saying as opposed to just here. In other so words, if the preacher gets up and, and quotes one scripture at the very start of the sermon and then sets the Bible down and walks away from the pulpit and never has another Bible reverse again for the next 50 minutes, you're probably looking at a church that's more heavily into platitudes than into biblical preaching. So you're looking at a Happy Meal being able to eat one French fry. Yeah, got it. Okay, that's kind of what it is. And you, when you come to church, you should be hungry for the Word of God. I mean, people to make all kind of reasons why they come to church. Come to church to hear good old gospel singing. They come to church to, to you know, to feel good. They have. To, one lady said the church has some good vibes, you know, whatever. But the point I'm saying is the real reason you come is that worship and praise and all that is great. But also for the Word of God. You should have your beer bone, your knife and fork, and you have your Bible, and you're ready to eat. And then you have a pencil or pen or marking pen so you can mark your Bible as the preacher is teaching or ministering the Word of God. That's your food, spiritual food. And so many people come to church and they're not spiritually nourished. They used to have an expression, I'm not being fed, I'm not fed at that church. And they're telling the truth because the word of God is our, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.